0: Welcome back to another edition of the Rossetti and Stewart podcast. Uh, Today, I am joined remotely by Justin Stewart. Right now, if you ever heard the song Devil Went Down to Georgia, well, he's not the devil. He's one sweetheart. It is Justin Stewart, and he went down to Georgia. But hey, thank you for still doing the podcast over Zoom.
1: Oh, of course, man. I wouldn't miss it for anything. So you already know. How are you doing today overall?
0: Um doing solid. You know, I got my Phil Steele um college football preview magazine today. There's a lot I I delved into today on that. Um it's it's been a productive week. Um yeah, I'm picking up some freelance work with the trib this fall, and I'm excited nonetheless. So yeah, that's about it. But anyways, um off the bat, I do want to talk about it immediately. Albert Pujols, I personally think might be the greatest first baseman of all time. Hits number 690 today. It's a grand slam against the Colorado Rockies off of Austin Gomber. Uh, blowout win. Cardinals are playing some good baseball again. Um, Albert Pujols, he's up to 250 now. He has 11 home runs. Hey, can he do it? Can he 10 more? 10 more in one and a half months? I don't see it, but that would be cool if he could get 700.
1: Yeah, I think with Albert, I think if he could get like crazy hot, maybe hit three or four the rest of the month, which isn't entirely like out of the realm of possibility, it's just like he doesn't play a lot. So it's just kind of hard for me to see him get 10 home runs this year, ten more home runs. So my thing is, I feel like he's going to be 694, 695. I think he'll end up with that for, uh, at the end of the year. So my thing is, like, have him come back half a year, whatever, have a contract, have him. Once he gets to 700, I mean, you know, see, with me, like, A-Rod, Alex Rodriguez was the closest guy to come to 700. And, like, a lot of people have an asterisk next to that for because of his alleged, and, you know, PED use. I mean, that, that did happen. So, you know, to Albert's never been accused, never been, like, no one's ever suspected him of doing it. So to see someone like hit 700 home runs, like you have to think like, not even Ken Griffey Jr. did that. I mean, you're, you're talking about rarefied air with Babe Ruth, Barry Bonds, Hank, Hank, Aaron. A- Hank Aaron too. Like that's that's very it's a very small group. That's 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 a group that I don't see any player nowadays unless something they average 45, 50 home runs every year. I don't see anyone ever touching. Those kind of records.
0: So, hey, there's only nine players that have gotten over 600 home runs, and hey, I mean, I I don't see 10 home runs uh, by the end of September, but I, I can't see him passing up A Rod, which honestly, like, I remember A Rod getting to 696, and um, I thought A Rod could have had another season or two, honestly, left in him, but hey, you know, I wanted to see him get 700. But now we got Pujols, who's right on the brink. I just think it's one of those things where you want to see him get up there with Babe Ruth. You want to see him in the 700 club with Hank Aaron or with Barry Bonds. But my thing is, regardless if he gets to 700 or not, it doesn't deny that he's first ballot And uh, in my opinion, is the best first baseman of all time, Um, even defensively when he was on the Cardinals. I mean, he was just he's all he's always been he's always been, you know, that guy to to not only just he. I mean, he hits for average. He hits for power, good defensively and a good just locker room leader. Um, So, yeah, 2011 World Series, 2006 World Series. And, um, you know, I remember a lot of criticism over the contract with the Los Angeles Angels. But I mean. The guy was still an all-star one of those seasons, and he still put up productive numbers, would hit anywhere between 20 to 40 home runs every season for them. So, hey, great career, and uh, yeah, good way to go out if he could definitely get 10 home runs in a little bit, but if he doesn't, still one of the greatest of all time.
1: No, for sure. You pretty much hit the nail on the head with that. I mean, he's definitely going to be a first-ballot Hall of Famer. And, you know, regardless if he doesn't get to 700 or not, I mean, he's still one of the greatest offensive players in MLB history. I mean, he's pretty much his prime peak Albert Pujos was pretty much 300, well over 300 with, like, 40 home runs over 100 RBIs. So that's, you know, to do that consistently for a 10- to 12-year period, you know, at a high level, that's pretty impressive. So shout-out to Albert Pujols.
0: Yep, and uh, there's only, like um – Honestly, like for current players, there really isn't anyone even close to how much he has. Like Miguel Cabrera has five oh six, which is absolutely uh, incredible. And Nelson Cruz has four fifty eight, but yeah, uh, those are yeah those are your top three active leaders right now of all time.
1: I mean, um, you think? Oh, sorry, I cut you off. Yeah,
0: yeah. Go, go ahead, you're
1: fine. I was gonna say Miguel Cabrera. I was reading like it's like I don't think he's really played lately, and like based off what I've read about him he's, he he's a lot closer to retiring relatively soon so that, that just shows you like just how hard it is to even like the, the fact that Albert Pujols like is close to 700 home runs to me is insane because like the type of production you have to have like he was like t- at 21 years old as a rookie right out of the gate was one of the best players in all of baseball and you know Hank Aaron, you know Barry Bonds, like Babe Ruth, we just mentioned all those guys they all had in common their prime years were pretty much from start to finish. Like, they, they were pretty elite from start to finish. And you, we see most of these guys nowadays, like, they, they hit rock bottom once they hit, hit, hit a certain age or whether injuries slow them down. So just to see Albert, at that first 10 to 12-year stretch, just put up crazy, ridiculous numbers, you know, like, that's that's what it takes. Like, you know, people talk about Juan Soto. Like, he's like the new, like, hot guy that could be the future goat of baseball whatever. Juan Soto's going to have to average like, 45, 50 home runs every year for the rest of his career if he even has a shot at even being mentioned in the same breath as far as home runs go. And like, the same conversation goes for um 3,000 hits. Like We just saw Miguel Cabrera do it recently. I th- I'm pretty sure he's the most recent guy. Correct me if I'm wrong on that one. I think he is.
0: To so do what, the triple crown? No,
1: 3,000 hits. Oh, 3, 000, yeah, yeah, I believe so. Yep. So I think the closest guy now to him is Joey Votto, and I think Joey Votto doesn't have much left in the tank, and he's nowhere near...
0: Like, he's out for the year.
1: Yeah, and I think besides him, I think Rob, Robinson Cano had an outside chance, but I mean, he, he looks like his career is pretty much over, too. So, I mean, the next closest guy, I'm pretty sure, it might be like Jose Altuve or someone of that stature, and like to be quite honest, Jose Altuve is already in his 30s, and I, I just don't see... 3,000 might be something that we might never see again. That's just my opinion. So it's just like numbers like those 700, 3,000, like those are numbers that are very rare. And I just think, especially with 3,000, like I definitely don't think we'll ever see that again. It's my
0: opinion. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I agree. I think players, though, like, um, so the players that can get to 3,000 hits. Like you said, Juan Soto. But the thing is, he hasn't hit for average this year. He oh, has hit a lot of home runs. But, I mean, and another player that I thought would have had a chance, now I'm starting to be questionable about it, is um, Tatis after he had the 42 home run season last year. I mean, he has 42 home runs, and he gets injured in an off-field uh, off, uh, off incident. Uh, don't know what it was. Sure, it wasn't great. Uh, And then he gets uh, suspended 80 games. And now that actually kind of even – that's just probably the worst thing that can happen. And uh, that was – yeah, that was one of those players. But I think if you're going to see someone get 3,000 hits, it's um, Soto or Cano or, you know – yeah, but, I mean, even if I was looking, I mean, even Paul Goldschmidt, who's having a Hall of Fame career, he's at 1,708 hits. So I mean and he's 34 years old already but um I did want to that that's a question to be asked is um Paul Goldschmidt is I think hands down the NL MVP right now if he if he does hold on and get that MVP is he is he Hall of Fame potential cuz he's 296 career um, you know he's he's at 1700 hits career 309 career home runs seven time all-star full time gold glove four time silver slugger if he wins MVP, is he is he Hall of Fame yet, or does he need a couple more years still?
1: Yeah, so what I was saying about Paul Goldschmidt was that uh, I do think right now he's definitely a Hall of Famer, if you ask me. Um, I would say that you know this year, I think if he wins MVP, and like you can argue, he's having the best season of his career, and that's saying something, because he had some pretty uh, spectacular seasons in Arizona as well. So if he wins MVP – in like let's say three, three to four more years, I think, uh, if he could hit around 300, you know, give you 30 home runs, close to 100 RBIs, you know, I think he's definitely a surefire Hall of Famer. Now, first ballot, uh, probably not, just because of like, I, I don't, I just don't think people value him as a first ballot Hall of Famer. I, I don't know why. It's real funny about that, but his numbers right now, they're definitely, I think they're definitely warranted.
0: Yeah, no, I, you, I I completely agree. I mean, uh, he holds a war right now, a career war of 57, which is pretty up there to me. Um, his war this year is 6.3, which is pretty unheard of. Um, yeah, but right now he has the accomplishments to do it. He has four Silver Sluggers right now. And, um, yeah, I, I see five after the end of this year. Um, he's also – been in the MVP race, you know, quite a few times with the Arizona Diamondbacks. I mean, he came in second in MVP voting on two occasions um, and third and uh, back in uh, back in like 2017. So, I mean, he's he's been on the cusp and I think this year's the year he's finally going to get it.
1: No, I agree. I agree. Because it's really I mean, the other guy I like to kind of jumps out to me as far as like NL MVP, maybe potential candidates. I think his teammate oh. Nolan Arenado. Arenado's definitely had another great year. And then I, I guess another guy that we're not really talking about enough, in my opinion. Not you, but like people, the media in general, is probably Pete Alonso. Like Pete Alonso like has had like one of the most under the radar seasons I've ever I can ever recall. Like no one's when I literally hear people talk about MVP, like he's like never mentioned. Like and he's he's batting like two over two eighty, I'm pretty sure. He has 80 something RBIs. I'm pretty sure he's like he's knocking on the door. 30 home runs too. So like Pete Alonso, and people forget like when he's right, he's one of the better players in our in, in the game of baseball. So I just want to throw that name out there as well.
0: And he's one RBI away from 100 too. So he's oh, already. Oh
1: shoot, I thought yeah. I, I 99.
0: Sheesh. Yeah, and then uh, you also got. Uh, Francisco Lindor, could yeah, legendary Lind- Lind- shortstop. I mean, Lind- 271 with 21 homers and 83 ribbies. like.
1: Yeah, I mean, he's had one of the Lindor's had one of the greatest shortstop seasons in Mets history. Like, he, I'm pretty sure, home runs, RBIs, like, he's surpassed all that for single season. So, Lindor, like him, mm-hmm. Starling Marte, Jeff McNeil, the whole crew, like, they're they're doing some things out there in Queens, bro. That, that's for sure.
0: Yeah, and uh, you know what? I was at the Pirates-Red Sox game last night. Sadly, I was at a Pirates game. But um, <laughs> we were we were comparing, me and my brother were comparing um, Derek Jeter to a shortstop that plays right now, and it's Xander Bogarts. He mm. is the, the modern-day Derek Jeter, and I honestly think he might have more pop on his bat, uh, but... I was just thinking like Xander Bogarts is one of those players that if you look at his stats he's never had a bad season and he's still 29 years old the guy still has like five or six uh, five or six years left probably I'd say in his prime just because of how how great he is defensively as well so no but I was just talking like he's batting 302 this year nine home runs I mean if you look at the Red Sox as a whole too uh, the Red Sox are just Offensively, you got Rafael Devers, who's having an incredible year. Verdugo and Martinez, they're both hitting over 270, 280. Um, their pitching's the issue right now the, with the Red Sox. And, um, yeah, it's, it's a shame that they're, A, in the worst division of baseball, or best division in baseball, and, B, their pitching hasn't been as good. But, yeah, that was one of our conversations was, like, I think by the, the time his career is set and done, I think he could – be one of the better shortstops of all
1: time, Xander Bogaerts. No, he's he's definitely really good. Like that, that's for sure. And um, you know, the Red Sox, as far as pitching goes, I mean, all you gotta do is play the Pirates. I'm sure, I'm sure the pitching will be fixed after that. So, uh, you know, that's. I feel bad. You went to the game yesterday. Like I, I do have to throw that in there. Like it's, it's it's pretty it's pretty um. What's the appropriate word to use without offending anyone? It's pretty sad. Like that's the best I can say. Um,
0: yeah, it's, um, and it's just another thing, too. You trade Jose Quintana for someone who pitch, pitches for the Cardinals and Johan Oviedo. Now, my question is, how come Oviedo can pitch on the Cardinals, who are first place in the division, but isn't good enough to play on the Pittsburgh Pirates Major League roster? We can...
1: We keep- Honestly, we could say that with a bunch of different players. Like or wide. Holderman,
0: too. Holderman was good enough to play for the Mets, but he can't pitch for the Pirates in MLB.
1: So he, I, that's a whole other issue. The fact that you trade probably at this point your second best bet in Vogelbach, and then you get back a guy who he they have multiple years of team control over him, which I understand. That makes sense. But like if, if you're not going to use him, like, what's the point? Like, yes. you're just... This is this is what I'm talking about with the Pirates. Like, we talk about all the time. Like, they, they have these guys, these young guys, or guys that show promise, and then they, they, they sideline them. Like, you just... You were there yesterday. Uh, Ronzi pitched yesterday for the first time in, like, 25 years. Mm-hmm. And, like, he's probably their best starting pitcher. And, like, I'm not sure about Mitch Keller, because I'm pretty sure he left the game a couple days ago with an injury. So, I, I don't know if I'm going to IL or not. But I assume... Like I think it had something to do with arm fatigue, so that's a red flag right there. So we'll, we'll probably be out miss a start or two, maybe longer. We'll see how that goes. But it's just, you know, calling O'Neill Cruz up not until like the end of June and like it's just stuff like that. Jack Suwinski still in Triple A. When it's 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 been obvious that he's gotten better in triple A, that he's hitting the ball well, and that he needs to be back up here because their offense is like literally like when I say it's unwatchable, like it is unwatchable. Like I've, you know, we've seen a lot. Of, we've seen a lot of bad pirates teams. Like in our life, is
0: one of the worst ones.
1: This is one of Oh the no, this is this
0: is definitely top five. Like mm-hmm. it might be top, it might be top three. Like I can't you know, believe they actually managed to be worse than last year. They're gonna, they might, they they're probably gonna lose. A, I mean, honestly, I don't know how they're gonna win 17 games for the rest of the season if they keep their roster put.
1: Dude, how do they go five and one against the Dodgers? That's what I'm trying to figure out. Like, what? Is-
0: because they had well, because you had your be- your best power guys. You had Vogelbach, you had um, you had Diego Castillo, you had Jack Sawinski, who all have over 10 home runs right now. You had them then. You still had Jose Quintana then. And now you you traded them all away. And hey, I mean, at least we have Kevin Padlo now. But that's another thing I wanted to say is with Kevin, with, with Kevin Padlow is, um, listen, I know, um, I know I'm know, i no major league player, but Kevin Padlow is 26 years old and has a career average of like 130 right now. Um, Diego Castillo, Rich Hill pitched yesterday. Rich Hill is a left-handed pitcher, and um, I tell you what, um, I love Rich Hill. I think he's, he's one of my favorite – he's actually one of my favorite pitchers. I respect him going out there. But the dude's a dinosaur right now, and uh, you need to have, like, your best hitters against left-handed pitching when he's out there, and your best hitter against lefties is in the minor leagues. Diego Castillo's eight home runs out of ten were against left-handed pitching, and he has, like honestly, if you were on the team, if you were on that lineup last night, he'd had the most pop out of the whole team other than maybe Brian Reynolds. And he's in the minor leagues right now. I mean, it's just I know he's not exactly raking. I know Jack Sawinski I know he wasn't doing good, but now he's doing great in triple A. But instead you have Bly Madras, who went three out of his last forty-four at bats. And he I DH'd mean... him. He DH'd him and had him bat eighth.
1: Listen, we we kinda talked about it off the air about like just this whole year. It's it's clear that the front office, it's clear that the management, like they don't care about this year. And like it shows. Like it really does, man. Like just Derek Sheldon and uh, Ben Charrington, like their answers, like they just it's just like they could they could care less about what happens this year. And I think another issue I have with this regime, even going up to the owner, like I've said it a thousand times to the owner too. It's just everyone's just way too comfortable like, in their positions, they need to be uncomfortable. Like, they need to be uncomfortable. And, like, it's just their farm system, too. Like, we, we've talked about it, like, every week here since we've done the podcast. They have a, a solid farm system. Like, no one's, no one's denying that. But, I mean, when you take a, a deeper look, all of their players, like Henry Davis, Nick Gonzalez, their last two, like, first-round draft picks in particular, like, they've, like, not that they've regressed, but, like, they've hardly played this year. And like, you know, it's just one of those things like Nick Gonzalez was like projected to be up here this year, maybe towards the end of this year, early 2023, maybe. And like Henry Davis, part of the reason why they drafted him was because he was supposed to come up through the minors relatively quickly. And like that, just, you know, he keeps getting hurt too. And then, you know, Piguero, the short, the shortstop. I mean, we haven't seen him since the call up in June. So it's just like, Quinn Priester has been okay. Um, They've had some other prospects as well, but they just – it seems like organization-wise, everyone's just taking a major step backwards from last year, and that's saying something because last year they weren't any good either. But at least, like, they showed at times, like, grit, and, like, they showed there was some glimpses – and, like, I'll say this year, too, like, that that Dodger Mm -hmm. series – and, like, all the way up until they they called up O'Neill Cruz, like, after that, like, with, uh, like, Marcano and Sawinski, like, we've talked about it. And like, there was, like, the Pirates still, like, were not a great team at times this year. But, but, like, you could see the future. And, like, as a fan, like, I felt optimistic for the first time in a very long time about, like, where they could go from here on out. And then, like... Once it it just seems like once they call back up, up Yoshi and Van Meter, like it just that's that's when I felt like it just things just went really south, like really bad. And like, you know, now we're here and now I've never been more discouraged right now as a fan than I am right now. And like, listen, I'm trying to, you know. You know, we try to keep keep it keep it positive here, and like I'm just not sure like future wise like the Pirates and their farm system. I'm just not sure if it's gonna work out. Honestly, I'm I'm really not sure.
0: Yeah, and it's um it's one of those things too. Is like with the farm system too. Is if you look at like teams like the Cardinals, you know, you have Nolan Gorman come up, you have Brendan Donovan come up. The consistency, man. The consistency of some of those rookies. The thing is, like when Pirates prospects comes out, come up, like yeah, they might go, be great, but you, we haven't seen consistency out of Sawinski, Castillo, or even O'Neill Cruz. And uh, that's that's one of the big things is um, is the consistency with the, with the t- with the players coming up is just the Pirates farm It's an organizational problem. You know, it's an organizational problem that you, we're not seeing those results. And I, I I don't know how that could be fixed, but like you said, I think it t- t- starts at the top and goes all the way down. But, hey, I mean, I still think Nick Gonzalez is going to be a good player. I still think O'Neill Cruz, Swinski, Castillo, uh, Quinn Priester could be good, G1 Bay. I mean, there's players down there. I, I'm not giving up on Swaggerty yet. Uh, I think he, he still has pop on his back, but – He's just been injured too much, uh, Paguera too. But here's the thing, like, you have all those players. They're not major league ready yet. And I honestly was hoping that they would be closer to major league ready. But like you said, they haven't played a lot. So it's actually it's actually the next couple years, which mm-hmm. I thought 2023, 2024 could have been the years that these players start coming up and you start seeing that seed growing. It's starting to glow it's starting to be a little dim now, and uh, hey, maybe they could turn it around over the off season uh, with their production and stuff. Maybe we'll see Henry Davis up at the end of next year. But as of right now, um, I want to keep it positive. But uh, for the past since 1992, maybe other than a flash in the pan year, flash in the pan for three years. I mean, it hasn't been positive for the Pittsburgh Pirates. I would say one last
1: thing, closing on the Pirates. Like I would say that. I think I'll give him one more year after this, like twenty twenty three. And if there's if there's just no like significant improvement, like forget wins and losses, just player development wise, uh, that's a red flag to me. Like it really is. And like Ben Sherrington, I understand, you know, Derek Shelton hasn't been dealt the best hand as far as talent goes. I understand that too. But at some point, like enough cliche talk. Let's 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 back our talk up with some wins. And some progress. So that, that's all I'm saying. And like Ben Charnin, I don't know like if he, if he thinks in his head, oh well, the Pirates operate different than the, than the Red Sox or Blue Jays, so I'm gonna have all this time to build up the farms. No, like you can build the farm system, but guys need to be up here in the next two two to three years. Like, there's just at this point, like he doesn't have like I think the, the leash to have all these excuses as far as like not. Like, putting, putting a watchable, forget, like, winning team, a watchable product on the field. Like there's just, there's no more excuses. They're running out. Like, I'm sick of the cliche talk. Like, it's at, it's time to put up and shut up, so.
0: Couldn't have said it any better. And, um yeah, like, I was, just going back, like, consistency, like, you see players, like, Julio Rodriguez, who's just as highly, like, Daniel Cruz has just been highly touted as him. Julio Rodriguez, obviously, a little bit more. But, like, Julio Rodriguez is 266 with 19 home runs. Other than the slow start, he's been a consistent player for that team. And uh, you just – I mean, it's it, It's weird because it, it's the teams like, you know, the Pirates and, like, the Reds. And, like, now you're starting to see it with the Athletics. Um, and even – you can even say the Royals right now. They're just having trouble turning over these prospects – and like I said, it's an organizational thing. And uh, with the with the Kansas City Royals, too, um, that was the team that Eckersley compared the Pirates. To. I agreed with Eckersley other than the fact that he said that the Royals, I mean, I think there's a, a, a league-wide issue, too, with um, how these teams manage their players because right now, other than MJ Melendez, I mean, Edward Oliveira's was, uh, I mean, I guess isn't bad. Uh, but, like, the thing with the, the Royals, too, is um, they don't have a, t- a ton of people coming up either and uh same can be said for a lot of these other teams and you know the royals are one of those teams that had the same exact path as the pirates but they caught that lightning in the bottle and instead of you know getting losing in the wild card game in the first round they actually went all the way so yeah but it's just like there's there's teams like that that just or even the mariners for the past 20 something years you know they just teams have troubles turning over prospects. But then there's also teams like the Dodgers who turn Max Muncy. Well, Max Muncy obviously had a big part in it too, but Max Muncy, DFA'd by the Oakland Athletics. Now I know he's having a bad year this year, but great player now. Justin Turner, a uh, career backup for the New York Mets. And now he's an all-star third baseman, you know, has had an astounding career. Um, but Just little things like that, like Will Smith, great prospect. Um, even Kyle Farmer, you can even go to Kyle Farmer, who worked his way up to being a very solid trading piece. Um, I forgot who they forgot who they got from the Reds, but they traded him to the Dodgers and uh, they traded him from the Dodgers to the Reds. And whenever you have these prospects grow and they show potential, people will actually now be able to make deals with you. You got that trade bait now. so um that's why the Dodgers, even though they spend a lot, I still think if they had the same payroll as the Pirates, they'd still be 10 times better. Because if you look at the Cleveland Guardians as well, they have $1 million more, but they're first in a division. Granted, they're in a bad division, but the Pirates are in a bad division as well.
1: Yeah, I would say with one more point about the prospects. So I think that's the biggest issue and why I continue to vouch for a salary cap. Like there needs to be a salary cap or a floor, whatever you want to call it. But just the fact that like, here's the problem with the Pirates The Royals and the Orioles. This is more so for the Pirates and Royals, but this is why you cannot build your entire team on prospects because it almost fails 9.9 times out of 10. I mean, that's probably why the main reason why the Pirates had so many freaking losing seasons, like from 92 to 2012, was because it was very little spending in free agency, very little uh, good trades, impactful trades that helped them long term. And, like, the farm system, we did a a past episode on it. You guys can check it out. But, like, we spent, like, almost an hour and a half talking about all the misses. And they had some hits, no pun intended, but, like, with the the prospects. And they just swung and missed at a lot of these guys. And whether or not it was draft, just talent-wise, or just player development, like, they just missed the boat. And when you're a team like the Pirates, athletics, I mean – the Athletics and Rays, I will say, they've done a pretty good job of like getting talent, like do, doing it through their own way. We all know the Rays and A's don't spend money either, and yet they somehow find a way to be more competitive in the past thirty years than the Pirates have been in that time span. So my point is, like, it's there's there's reasons to be frustrated with the salary cap, and there's reasons. The Pirates obviously can't afford like an Aaron Judge. Like we all know that as fans. Like we're not stupid. But like there's also the other side where like you need to be doing better at player development and trades and signing players to help fill out your team and not just standing pat and assuming oh well all of our prospects are gonna save us from uh, futility. Like that just doesn't work like that. So that's my mini rant on prospects.
0: Yeah, and I will say, like, you're 100% right about that. And I I don't want to clump the athletics into it because, like you said, uh, Matt Olson, Matt Chapman, you know, Sean Murphy's looking good. Hey, you know, they actually have a prospect that just came up the other day. Shea Langeleers, you know, he had a home run. I mean, the Pirates should considered calling up some of their prospects, too. But, you know, they'd rather work with, you know, career 4A players who aren't great enough to play in the MLB but are too good for Triple A. Uh, but they, you know, they'd rather them just rot in the minor leagues. But, yeah. Um. Anyways, that's the thing with the athletics is, that, I mean, now they're starting to call their players up at least. Um. I think Pythagorean record, we're probably on pace with the athletics, but it's pretty bad. I think the only team that's, like, kind of in nowhere right now is pretty much the Nationals. The Nationals,
1: uh, I, the Pirates are awful. The Nationals are like ten times awful. They're like, last time I checked, they're like 39 and 80, like something crazy like that. That they've just, they're like, them and the Pirates, they're they're gonna be neck and neck, worst team in baseball. And I think the Pirates, even if they like somehow like tank the rest of the year, which all signs point to, I the Nationals are just so bad. I don't see the Pirates having the worst record. So there's something to hang your
0: hat on, Pirates fans. They should have just traded Reynolds. Honestly, I feel bad for him. And that's what i was is, talking
1: about. Yeah.
0: He, he could bring. I mean, honestly, like, I think, he, I think he has a chance at like 25 home runs this year. Well, I know for sure. Seven for sure. home runs in a month and a half is not far fetched with how he's been hitting. So.
1: And I would also say too, like, when you have a guy like Brian Reynolds, who like when he's right, he's probably. You can argue he can be the best center fielder in all of baseball. That might be a stretch, but he's definitely top five at the very worst. Mm-hmm. When he's when he's playing when he's when he's all firing on on all cylinders, and when you think about it, since he's been with the Pirates, losing is always known. Like they've had a losing year every year he's played. 2019, they lose 90 games. 2020, worst team in baseball. 2021, lose almost 100 games. 2022, you probably lose another 100 games as well. So your your franchise player, I'm just saying like I would not be surprised. I'm not saying this will happen because i think he likes playing here i would not be surprised if he if he's in some galaxy requested a trade and i and honestly i couldn't even get mad at him because like his age he's 27 he'll be 28 at the start of next season so he's in his prime right now and no one else like on the pirates roster is in their prime they're all young guys still trying to find their way and, you know, all their top prospects are still in double-A, triple-A, single-A, too. So, like, when, when, when we're talking about rebuilds here, what, maybe Brian Reynolds is 30 years old by the time the Pirates hope to be good? Like, that's just, I don't know. And, like, last year, I feel like if you wanted to trade him last year, was the year to do it. Because, yeah, he, he had his best year. His, he had a war over six. One of the best center fielders in all of baseball. Forget that. He was one of the best players in all of baseball. And, you know, if you're going if you're to trade him, you should have done it last year. And I just feel like now, at this point, I just think you keep him and, like, see how he ages out. So, I don't know. I, I kind of feel bad for him, though.
0: So mm-hmm. And another thing, too, is, like, we've been talking about it since the podcast beginning. And I don't want to change topics really quick, but it is about Derek Shelton. And um, I just – I don't get how you put a guy 3 of, of 44 in your lineup – and I don't get how you put a guy batting 120 in your lineup. It just doesn't make sense. Um, his lineups haven't made made sense all year. He changes it up every time. And you know, granted, like we've been we've been we've been talking about it, like how he really doesn't have people to put in those positions, but still, like you can't put someone three or forty-four in a baseball lineup. He needs to he needs to if I'm three or forty-four, I, I don't want to be playing right now. I, I wanna get out of the sump, but I that, that's a guy you send back down to the minor leagues. You know, Jack Winskey is playing good enough to come back up. And here's the thing, like, I I understand how bad they are. But you, you, we're starting to see, like, league around the league, Texas just fired their manager. And they have 53 wins. This is a team that, you know, still has Corey Seager and Marcus Semyon, uh, Jonah Heim. One of the most underrated ca- catchers in all of baseball. I think he's almost a top five catcher, top ten at least. Um, so, yeah, you got those three players. Pitching hasn't been great. Uh, other than, you know, you still have Adolphus Garcia, but for the most part, they're still a rebuilding team. And you saw Woodward get fired. Now, that was one I was shocked with. I think Woodward's personally not a bad manager. But then another one was the Athletic, the Angels fired Joe Madden. So, here, I mean, th- this is showing that. When teams don't see production, uh, there's actually consequences for that. And I feel like, like you said, everyone's too comfortable with something. Like, I I just feel like, and there's no care. There's no care between, and, you know, the reason I still go to games is because I like baseball. You know, I want to see see Alex Verdugo last night. I wanted to see J.D. Martinez last night. I go to see the other teams, and – If I wanted to, I'd rather drive two hours, go up to Cleveland, and watch the number one team in the division. And, you know, I know people are dissatisfied with how the Guardians have been doing things, but at least they could breed prospects. At least, you know, you got Jose Ramirez up. I mean, Josh Naylor, you got him from the Padres. I know he's a Padre prospect. But then you got Oscar Gonzalez. I mean, Oscar Gonzalez is batting almost 300. Andre Jiménez out of the Lindor deal. That I think getting him and Rosario was a great trade. Yeah, it's just, yeah, good baseball. If you want good baseball, drive two hours if you're from Pittsburgh.
1: Listen, Cleveland has been if this past decade they've been fairly competitive, and as of recent memory, they've been pretty much a playoff team. So. And like, they have a good
0: manager too.
1: Oh, that helps too. I, I'd take Terry manager. Francona. I'd take Terry Francona in a heartbeat. Heck, I'd take Joe Madden too. Like honestly, I know he has his like crap. I to manager, but you need some like backbone on that team. And I feel like Joe Madden would definitely stand up for his players. Like you know, to me, Derek Shelton too many times. I don't know him personally. I think he's a pretty solid guy off the field. Yeah, he just, for sure. He, he, he just. I don't want to call him weak. I don't think he's weak, but there's just times where, like, like the other night, I'm sure you saw the the clip or you might have watched the game, I'm not sure, but Brian Reynolds got ejected. And, you know, the calls, they were 50-50. I I, I didn't think they were definitely, like, balls, but I didn't think they were definitely strikes either. You, You could argue them. But, like, Derek Shelton, literally, Brian Reynolds is clearly upset. He's been frustrated for pretty much the entire season. For like his, his performance and the team's performance, like, we can go on and on. And, like, you know, I've never seen Brian Reynolds that angry before in the game. And, like, Derek for Derek Shelton to come out there and, like, say two words and walk back to the dugout to me, like, that just, that just wasn't okay as far as, like, a PR standpoint, as far as a team building standpoint. Because I feel like even if the players are wrong, like, you still have to stand up for them. And I, I just didn't feel like he did a good. Enough, I just feel like, I just didn't feel like he did a good enough job with that. So kind of disappointed from that perspective. But listen, I I just I just think they've done a very bad job trying to like convince Brian Reynolds to stay here long term. That's just my opinion. So I don't know.
0: Yeah, I <laughs> it's one of those things where you know it's not going to change deep down, you know. But hey, it is enjoyable to see that AL Central race right now, uh, the, White so- the White Sox twins and the Guardians, they're all within two games of each other. White Sox are starting to play good baseball again, coming back to packed house. That's the thing. When you have Bob Nunning promised to the fans, if, we, if you guys start coming to the games, we're going to keep putting a winning product on the field. We came to games in 2015. You yeah. didn't put a winning product on the field. In fact, he replaced players like Pedro Alvarez with John Jacell, and he replaced Neil Walker with John knees So it's just, um, yeah, it's one of those things where just watching the White Sox play the other day, close out that game with Liam Hendricks, just the just the intensity in the air and just realizing that, hey, you know, Moncada having the worst year of his career, which is, he's usually a good player. Moncada having the worst year of his career. Um, Eloy Jimenez off and on the I.L., you know, Tim Anderson, off oh, and on I the aisle. Yasmani yeah. Grundahl uh, had a couple solid seasons uh, for the Brewers, you know, the Dodgers. Uh, had an all right season last year. But this year, it's he actually had a pretty good season. He started off terrible last year. He actually had a good season last year. But he's another one. Not a good year. But my point is, despite that, their franchise still sees that they're trying to win. And they still see that they have a chance to make the playoffs. And therefore they go to the games. The pirates, on the other hand, see th- th- their their ownership sees that hey, we have no chance to win, and we're not even gonna try. And we're just gonna keep putting out the product on the field. We're just gonna see if we can get all our money off of beer sales at the game. So Uh
1: you can't forget about Dollar or dog night, bro. You can't forget about that.
0: Yeah, maybe we'll forget buns again, so uh
1: that's still still fine to me.
0: But, yeah, um, I can't believe that.
1: that, that, is, that but that, that is such a pirate thing, though. Like, like we joke about it. But that is so true. So, I, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> All right, though. But, uh, Tony, as always, great baseball talk. I got to go, though. Always appreciate you joining the podcast and just talking a little sports with me.
0: Oh, you too, man. Hey, thanks for still getting it done. And, uh, yeah, next week we got an action-packed week with college football. And with the NFL, we're going to have our preseason previews. And for those of you who want to retune in, you can find us on Spotify. Uh, you can find us on Apple Podcast. Whatever, whatever plug you choose, you can find us there. So thank you for tuning in. Uh, to all, all our loyal subscribers, thank you, and uh, we appreciate it.
1: Uh, you heard it from the man. Find us on all those podcasting platforms. Just search. The Rosetti and Stewart Podcast. For Antonio Rosetti, I'm Justin Stewart. Thank you for joining us for another episode. Greatly appreciate you guys listening to us. We'll see you in the future. Talk more
0: Gridiron football. Peace.